It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. Hello there, film lovers, and welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes, and we have a blog, which someday will be updated at filmsociology.tumblr.com. Joining me in studio is a gentleman who has his own intro, and I get to share it with you right now. How'd it go? It was interesting. You see Harris? Yes. He didn't have the tape. You've had a call from MI5. The spook department. Who? Sir Robert Neal. No, he is not knighted, but I'm sure he's played one on stage. Robert <laughs> Neal's here with me. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's Appreciate it. Here, yeah. Robert is in the IRT production of Three Musketeers, which is running through. Uh, got a few more. When's I think the fifteenth is our, which I think is a Saturday, is our last day. So if you show up the twenty second, if you just accidentally show up the twenty second, and there's nothing on stage, you know it's done. It's pretty much done. Yeah. Okay, so you can go to. Uh, IRTlive.com. IRTlive.com to get dates and start times, which are kind of all over the map. Because we're, 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 we're on it today. <laughs> yeah. And who, who are you playing in Three Musketeers? Uh, I play um, uh, Captain de Treville, who is the captain of the Three Musketeers. He's kind of a father figure to, uh, to those three guys. Um, and then sort of takes uh, D'Artagnan, who's this young country bumpkin who comes for fame and fortune to be one of the Musketeers in Paris. And I sort of take him under my wing and... Uh, you know, I'm kind of a gruff uh, former soldier, older. Gruff but benign. Yeah, yeah older, definitely, yeah. And, uh, um, but it's a, re- it's a really fun role. It's, it's terrific. We, we were talking earlier off, off air about, uh, so if you, if you know Starsky and Hutch, he's, Lieutenant Do- he's Captain <laughs> Doby or Castillo on Miami Vice. That's, that's more like it, yeah, Castillo. <laughs> or maybe Sergeant Carter from Gomer Pyle. Oh, I don't know which, you know. <laughs> taller, but that's all Yeah, right. maybe taller, yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, and we'll talk about ooh, we'll talk about Three Musketeers in a little bit. But uh, opening in theaters this weekend. Um, well, I should, I should shamelessly plug. I'm doing a few Good Men this weekend at Richmond Civic. If you have to be on the eastern part of the state, you can't handle the truth. I don't say that, yeah. but I get to see it on stage. <laughs> okay. So anyway, but opening in theaters this weekend is uh, Deepwater Horizon, and uh, it, yes, this is the film that's based on the uh, the BP oil spill. And uh, it's been fun to read comments online by, especially folks on Twitter, that uh, wonder if they are trying to heroize um, what was, you know, the worst natural disaster, or not natural, but one of the worst disasters um, 
in American waters. So, but, but anyway, but it's 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 not about that, although it is addressed. Um, it's directed by Peter Berg, who gave us, um, among other things, Battleship, uh, Friday Night Lights, and Lone Survivor, and it reteams him with uh, Mark Wahlberg. What I didn't know until uh, until I saw it th- th- earlier this week was that uh, Peter Berg was not the original director. J.C. Shandor, who did... Um, All is Lost, The Most Violent Year, and Margin Call was was originally attached to it. You couldn't tell. I mean, it, I think from a marketing standpoint, they got it right because you got the actor and the star and the director from Lone Survivor, which at times didn't seem like a film, but more like an endurance test. <laughs> right. And and there is a certain element to that in this film. Um, but it, so it's Mark Wahlberg, Kurt Russell. John Malkovich, Kate Hudson, because you have to have a female in this film, and she's related to Kurt Russell. Right? Well, they, yeah. you know what they, and I kept watching this. I'm like, have they done a film together? Yeah, I wonder because I don't think her and Mom have. And so, but the, and and not really a spoiler alert, but yeah, there is a, there is an on screen moment with the two of them. Not so. a kiss, I hope. No, they're not the Cyruses. <laughs> okay, Come on, jeez, okay. <laughs> Tennessee Williams over here. Yes. Um, anyway. So it's 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 about that oil spill, and uh, Robert and I are of an age that we we appreciate we 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 will understand when I as, after watching this, I had flashbacks of the Irwin Allen disaster films of the seventies, oh, yeah. uh, but smaller cast, shorter and better. Oh, that's so, good. You know, those of us who remember the Towering Inferno and the Poseidon, the Poseidon Adventure. Adventure, I love that movie. Really? Yeah, it was fascinating. Shelley Winters and her uh, swimming, her, actually her, doing her own swimming under the water. We like, you know, there are certain aspects, and we've talked before about acting. Uh, there are certain things you don't get to learn in acting class, and I, I, swimming is not one. <laughs> I remember the film uh, Heartland with Rip Torn and Conchata Farrow, where they both helped birth a calf. It's hard to put wow. that in the acting class. It is. They would probably CGI or whatever that's called. Right, exactly. I mean, even Billy Chris, well, I don't, I don't know if he actually did anything right. in City Slickers. I'd yeah. have to look at the editing on that. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so there was, so what this film is, is about 50 minutes of the setup, of meeting the characters. Uh, Wahlberg and Hudson are a couple, and, and it's one where he, uh, you know, he's on for three weeks, and then he's off for three weeks, one of those jobs, and then so you get the emotional aspect of it, of what this guy does for a living. is, And then getting on, going from, you know, checking in, getting on the helicopter and flying out to the location. And then, of course, there are some BP people, the corporate people, the the, the non-grunts. The suits, the evil. The suits. Yeah, the evil yeah and, and in guys. this one, they brought in John Malkovich. Who, 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 Perfect who, who we'll get to in a moment. Con Air. <laughs> Thank you for flying Con Air. I love that was an amazing yes. film. Um, it, it takes a, a classically trained actor to say stuff on the paper <laughs> and went, "Go for it." And, you know, you and, and I think the, and and he is one of those guys. He may either soar or yeah. crash, yeah. but he <clears throat> to steal a, a line from Sonata, he did it his way. Of course, and, and there's you know, there's no questioning that As he always does. Right. Yeah. So uh, so there's that. We get to meet the people, of course, we uh, who are working uh, on the rig, and there's a lot of technical jargon. I mean, and hmm. they fly through this really, and it reminded me. We were talking earlier of. Uh, 
when you have classically trained actors and or English actors doing sci-fi, like <laughs> like Judy Dench in Chronicles of Riddick, or you know, I know the you know Alan Rickman's character in Galaxy Quest talking right. about doing, but, but you know, when you when you are classically trained, you can make this jargon, and we don't know what they're talking about, and and I'm sure there are oil riggers that will tell us what that means, but I mean, it flies off the tongue well. Wow, that's good. So, and then then we get to the disaster itself. Um, and and it is reminiscent of Lone Survivor, where you are thrown into it. I mean, uh, I obviously I highly recommend seeing this inside a theater. Yeah, I know you could rent it, but it is it reminded me of Gravity. The cr- the closer you are to the screen, the more you'll you feel get like you're in it. Yeah. Right, you feel like you're in it. So then we get to that aspect, and then we get to the aftermath, which is is fairly sweet. This film is about an hour and forty five minutes, Fast. which you, yeah, and and it it felt longer. And then when I found out when it was sh- that it was actually shorter, that's impressive. Yeah, um, there are. It's not a perfect film. There there is a few um, there's a few moments of uh, symbolism. Uh, there is a scene where the one of the BP suits has on a tie that is the color magenta and Kurt Russell's character asks him to remove it because according to the oil riggers or in according to this thing, magenta is a color of bad luck. I think that's, oh, really? a, I think that's a code. That well, you know, people on the sea are typically superstitious. So it right. kind of makes sense that that is probably a true thing. Who knows? So anyway, so there, there are those moments yeah. of, and, and uh, to steal a phrase from Ed Johnson, not you don't get hit over the head with the hammer. It's more like a cardboard tube. <laughs> so you, yes, you're, yes, you're giving me the message and yes. it's not that annoying. So yes. there is that, um, you know, Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson, uh, there's a term that the Miss Associate talks about, you know, her and I talked about, um, you know, hand wringing, you uh-huh. know, I think the great example of great hand wringing, Kathleen Quinlan in Apollo thirteen, yes. where you know on the paper it's you're the wife, you're capital T, capital W, yes. and it sounds like there's not a whole lot there, and you just make the most of it. And yeah. and Hudson doesn't have a whole lot to do in this. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's some there's some Skype scenes with her and Wahlberg, and then and then her just being worried. Yeah. And I think you know it's cheering on her man, cheering on her man, yeah. and and yes, you have to have a female name above the title so you can get you can get the ladies dragged in now. Mr. Malkovich. Love him. <laughs> um, he's fantastic. He's got a Cajun accent in this one. Oh, boy. And if you remember his vocal prowess in Rounders as Teddy KGB, oh, yeah. and and there, I've talked with a few critics, and people, and it's either, you know, it's either terrible or awesome or both. <laughs> and I think it's kind of both on this. He, he kind of has a cadence anyway to his own natural way of speaking. It's right. kind of the same anyway. So you throw the Cajun in there, it must be kind of. Yeah. So so between that and the very bright teeth. Um, and, and once <laughs> and there's a fun moment where his character is inside when there is an explosion and he's covered in oil and probably other things Excellent. but pearly whites are still there well, that's amazing <laughs> because i remember reading one time that he refused to get his teeth fixed i wonder if he did or if it's been cgi or, or something for this sh- for this yeah. um but yeah he he is the slimy uh, the slimy bp character no that intended. yeah that wants the test run even though things aren't quite what you know, the, the, up the course and you know kurt russell's character early before the disaster hits gets a special prize for safety team you know work safety yes. so another bit of the they were set team. up for the disaster right yeah. so so there there are those um but but these are minor quibbles in what is a, it's actually a really action packed film. Wahlberg's fine; he does what he does. Is Marky you know, Mark? Pl- yeah. No, well, no, he's he's not <laughs> taking off his clothes. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there's a certain somebody in my house that likes Mr. Wahlberg. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I've I've also because she loves um, the fighter, uh-huh. 
uh-huh. and she liked him in The Departed. Uh-huh. And I've been informed that she's probably going to watch Boogie Nights with mom okay. or, or by herself. I don't think so. I think that you should wait on that. <laughs> She, she knows. She, That's a fantastic movie. It is a fantastic way. movie. I, I I dragged Lynn to it when we were dating. That was one of those, we sat too close. <laughs> it was opening weekend Especially in the Especially at Chicago. the end of the film. It's like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> hey, hey, woo. Yeah, Thank God it's not in 3D. <laughs> um, but, the, yeah, it was one of those, it was opening weekend, so it was packed. So you had to sit where you sat. And I think we were in, like, the fourth row. So by the time we got to, as soon as William H. Macy blew his brains out yeah. and we get into the sullen act two. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, Sally and I saw that on a date night, too, I recall. Yeah. And, uh, and how'd fun. that date go? It was terrific, actually. It was quite, it was quite good. There are certain films, ladies and gentlemen, and us as, yeah. as, as old Mary guys, there are certain, we, we pass this on to younger people. There are certain films that you can see and enjoy, but you probably shouldn't go straight to bed after watching. <laughs> That's one of them. Go well, watch Bob's Burgers or Archer or something to cleanse your palate before you go to sleep. Just really briefly, um, yeah. on a, uh, before we got uh, married, the year before we got married, I made um, on a New Year's Eve, I rented a bunch of movies as Sally and I were together, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was Deer Hunter. And we got to, <laughs> I know, spit take, spit take on the radio, folks. So we get to the, the famous scene on the river of the Russian roulette, and she stops it, and she says, I can't believe we're doing this on New Year's Eve. That's a true story. Wow. So it tells you how sick I am. Man. No, because it, you you saw it as, it's a great film. you yeah. got to experience yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Not really maybe taking into account it was new year's eve and you know it's not a good idea i uh we still got married though well yeah and you've been married how long uh 27 years so you're all right yeah, yeah all right. that's a that's a minor hiccup <laughs> i yeah i dragged i dragged lynn to a lot of crazy stuff when we were when we were recording you know midnight of uh no was that midnight you know, I made her watch Enter the Dragon and oh, Superfly, yeah. and yeah, the, those. Yeah. In my college days, and by the way, the women in my life, even before Lynn, were extremely patient, and I owe them a debt. But yeah, it was. <laughs> They'd have to be. Thank you. <laughs> um, when you show a girl, a new girlfriend, taxi driver, and a yeah. Clockwork Orange, oh, yeah. you're yeah, you've you've missed the point. Right. It's yes, it's a great film, not the way to start off a relationship. No. <laughs> um, I had a friend, my buddy Sean from college, who his version of that was he took a first date to Platoon. Oh, my God. Because oh. it's a great Oliver His guy's thinking, it's a great Oliver Stone yeah, film. Yeah. Girl thinking, what? What are we doing here? I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so going back to, yeah, Emma's going to watch Boogie Nights, but probably on her own. But, you know... It, She's a slightly different case. The last one of the great theater outings we had this year was Equus. Oh, that's one of my favorite plays. We um, and movies. I love that movie. Richard well, you know, it's and it's we we were talking about you know, obviously the use of and hopefully later this year we're going to watch um, uh, War Horse. Oh yeah, they're doing the national theater version. Yes, yes, we know it's 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 humans on stage and you can't do that with the film. But right. um, the the backstory. This is this is the idea of. A long time for a punchline follow-up to a joke. When when Emma was two, we would the first time we rode the um, the carousel at the children's uh-huh. museum, and and Lynn's outside taking pictures, and I had <laughs> I had Emma. I whispered into Emma's ear, and at the top of her lungs, when we rolled around in front of Lynn, I had Emma scream, "Ride Equus, ride!" <laughs> and there's a term I use called sitcom wife look. I think that was the first one. Yeah. Lynn just kind of shook her head. And then wah, wah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And and then from then on, if <laughs> Emma wanted a horsey ride, Daddy's horsey name was Equus. 
And then over the years, like she knew Daniel Radcliffe did it on on stage, yeah. and she heard it was weird. And so then, of course, earlier this year, uh, a production of Equus was done here in town, and uh, we we got to go see it, the three of us. And we get to the no, we no, get no. we get to the end of Act One, and without hesitation the lights come up and emma looks at me and says what in the hell is wrong with you but by the time we got to the end of the play she loved the play well good and you know i think it'll be something for her to talk to her analysts about later in life thank you you yes there is there has been a running joke with my buddy laura jansen of doing the annual since since the md telethon's not on we're gonna do it uh yeah big talent telethon and and the proceeds go to emma's future therapy sessions Uh, so thank you i will donate great yeah Yeah, we we know you already have I like to think it's a part. Of, you're a part of it, but uh, maybe anyway, so, maybe so. You know, to this day, if we hear the phone ring, we all go goody goody. Oh, yeah. James Beard Little thing. James Beard. Yeah. So anyway, I love um, you remember that. That's fantastic. Oh, that's yeah. that was that was probably and that was our favorite of the the one person shows. Oh, by very far. Kind of you. Thank you. Because it was one of the great experiences of my life. You got sure. to be a culinary rock star. Yeah. You got to come down from the from the rafters, yeah. and that was you know. And that was another one. You got to cook on stage. Did well, they don't teach you yeah. that in well, acting school. Well, it was school. more like uh, chopping and making okay, things. Okay, you got to do prep work. Prep work, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Deepwater Horizon is out. Go check that out. It's uh, and, and, yeah, the bigger the screen, the better. Um, all right, there's a couple notes. It, it, even though it is October, the, the drive-ins are still, still open. So, um, when was the last time you were at a drive-in? I know we need to work on this. Yeah, I have no idea, but uh, I used to love the the drive-ins. So there, there's still, of course, we have the Tibbs and we have um, the Skyline. So o- over at the Tibbs, and I always, I'm always intrigued with the pairings of films because sometimes it's the same studio, sometimes it's the same genre, and then you just get two films that are lumped together, and you think, what? <laughs> so um, over at the Tibbs this weekend, on one stage you have, on one screen you have Storks. The PG animated uh, animated film, oh, yes, okay, and followed by Sully. Wow, so that's an odd pairing. Yeah, so I guess they're hoping the kids fall asleep. They call me Mister Tibbs. Is no, it's the... not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that the name yes, of it? Yes, it's the Sydney Poitier-run yeah, theater. Yeah, so good. Okay. Or Howard E. Rollins if you're on t- TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, screen 2, Deepwater Horizon and Hell or High Water. There's a theme there. What is it? The water. Oh, there you go. See, see? look at the look at this, yeah. huh? Um, that's fun. Yeah, you should, you should go see it. Hell or high water, and then uh, and then excellent. a midnight showing of Waterworld. Right, that would even be better. Jeez, <laughs> bad. Kevin Costner drinking his own urine. Yeah, no, what could be better? Lots of things. Yes, that's true. Okay, screen three. Uh, the the Magnificent Seven with the thriller When the Bow Breaks. Hmm. Okay, um, and. The- <laughs> Screen four, also opening this weekend, the latest from Tim Burton, Mrs. Pettigreen's Home for Peculiar Children, followed by Blair Witch. Oh, my God. Freaky stuff? All right. Blair Witch Project? This is the sequel Uh, to that. Okay, because when I saw the Blair Witch Project, remember all the- Oh, yeah, 1999. All of the hype about that. I went to see it with my sister, and um, I was nauseous for two days because of the the camera. (laughs) You you needed Dramamine? I literally- could not watch part of the film because I was so nauseous. Wow. I have a bad inner ear. That's what kept me out of the astronaut corps. But um, <laughs> but seriously. Okay. And only that, one of my professors from Penn State's son is in that. He's really? The, he's the first one to disappear. Yeah, his name's Josh Leonard. 
Well, with all due respect to Josh, my my problem with it was I don't think I was terrified the right way. If you'd have told me <laughs> that the most terrifying thing was to be stuck in the woods with a bunch of whiny gen gen <laughs> filmmakers, yes. that 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 got to me more than the actual fright itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, it did cause a sensation, and and now two sequels. So there's wow. there is that. We're um, making money. So do you do, have you seen? You talk about being nauseous watching a film. Have you seen any of the Paul Greengrass directed Jason Bourne films? I saw one of them. Okay, because uh, I um, need Gra- I need Dramamine to watch those. And it was uh, <laughs> that is that is pretty true. But I did enjoy. Uh, it was the, with the. Um, there was one that didn't have the same. Jeremy actor. Renner. Yeah, but what was the other? Uh, who was the other actor? Well, it was Damon. Damon Matt did Damon. all of those, and I then saw, Jeremy Renner did, did one. one. Yeah, I saw one that had Matt Damon in it. Okay. Well, the first one I know was directed by Doug Liman, and then Paul Greengrass took over okay. the rest of them. And uh, and there's a lot of you know. Yeah, same similar. Missing, what do they call it? Missing scene or uh, fast stuff? Yeah, yeah, with the camera. Yeah, get nauseous. So there. So anyway, Dramamine to go with your yes, popcorn. Yes, no doubt. Okay, so that's over at the Tibbs. Over at the Skyline, we have Storks, followed by Lights Out. What's that? That is the PG-13 thriller of. Uh, Oh, hold on. Oh, no, I was thinking of Don't Breathe. This is uh, when Rebecca, they have the the write-up here. Um, When Rebecca left home, she thought she left her childhood fears behind. Growing up, she's never really sure what was or what wasn't real when the lights went out. And now her little brother is experiencing the same unexplained and terrifying events that once tested her sanity and threatened her safety. Sounds like my childhood. Yeah, so that's that's with Storks. That's with the PG animated film about Storks delivering babies. Wow. And then what Skyline does is the third feature on October 1st only, depending on when you hear this, they will pull an old film, old grindhouse drive-in thing that, I mean, that is so obscure I haven't even heard of it. So at 11.15 on October 1st from 1974, Stepsisters, a man and his sister-in-law plot to kill his wife, but things don't quite turn out the way they planned, starring Hal Fletcher, Bon Giddison and Sharon Talbert, a PG-rated thriller wow. from 1974. I don't know any of those actors or that. I film. do not. So and and so I thought some... you were going to say Stepford Wives, which I would have known. <laughs> no, but... not that one. But so yeah, this is uh, so I, I, I give props to to the skyline for finding these obscure stuff. Wow. Somebody had a 35 millimeter print of this. It That's must probably have been. it. So <laughs> okay, um, and also over at IU Cinema. Again, this depends on when you're listening to this program. Um, Saturday, October 1st at 3 o'clock as a part of the silent film series, um, Not Just for Kids, um, from Sunday, October 2nd. It's part of the International Art House series, uh, Zanconel. Hope I'm saying that right. Mia Madre at 6.30 p.m. That's the John Turturro Italian film. Oh, yeah. um, Monday, October 3rd at 3 o'clock, Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. With Dick Van Dyke and not Cheetah Rivera. Rita. Uh, Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Janet right, Lee, yeah. everyone's favorite Latina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maureen, uh, Maureen Stapleton, of course, yeah. and everyone's Paul favorite Lynn. teenage oh. high school girl, Anne Margaret. Mar- oh, my God, we were in love with her. But <clears throat> yes. Paul Lynn. Paul Lynn was in that. That's right. Ed Sullivan. Kids. <laughs> and yes. So What's that, the matter with kids today? I just found that on DVD, and it's on the pile. I haven't, I haven't watched it <laughs> yet, so need to get back to That's that. That's a fun movie. And I always remember, yes, because there was, um, did you ever watch Mad Men? Uh, a little bit. They, there is a section where they're talking about the ad campaign for uh, for Bye Bye, Bye Birdie, Birdie, and it's it's Anne Margaret singing. And Lynn and Emma actually call the film Bye Bye Bird He. 
because that's how Anne Margaret sings. Nice. Uh, so anyway, that's three o'clock Monday. Uh, so Martin, Monday matinee classics. At seven o'clock is the International Art House series "Touched with Fire." Thursday, October sixth at seven o'clock, the nineteen twenty seven Best Picture winner "Wings." Oh yeah, the uh, very first. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Howard. Um, Howard Hawks. No. Uh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Yes, not Howard Hawks. Yeah. Gosh, yes, Howard. Yep, that's out there. Um, Friday, October seventh, Science on Screen, the two thousand and nine documentary Orgasm Inc. Oh my! Not making eye contact. Moving on. Yes. Um, Nine thirty p.m. Arth- uh, author, the J.T. Leroy story. Um, Saturday, October eighth, at three o'clock, the Dark Carnival Shorts retrospective, followed by at seven o'clock, the twenty eleven horror film The Taint. I'm not allowed to say that only only once. And then Sunday, October 9th, um, at 3 o'clock, as a part of the East Asian film series. I would like to see this. I did not know this actually happened. In 2012, uh, Dangerous Liaisons. So an Asian version of Dangerous Liaisons is out there. And then The President's Choice at 6.30 p.m., Sunday, October 9th. The Year of Living Dangerously. Oh, yeah. Young Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson Young yeah. Sigourney Weaver, yeah. and Linda Hunt, Linda winning Hunt. Best Supporting Actress for I that. that film, yeah. So that is happening next weekend at IU. So, okay, um, shifting gears a little bit, I guess uh, Robert Neal is hanging out with me here. He is, of course, an IRT's production of The Three Musketeers. We'll get to the videos in a little bit. How, how are things going in France? Quite well. The audiences are loving it. One thing that I hear... Um, you know, from the marketing and stuff, the people, when they interview people coming out of the theater, they come in thinking that it's going to be some sort of a historical museum piece or whatever, because the, the novel's about a thousand pages long. Yes. And, Actually, uh, it's 600. I've read it. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, they come out just, uh, you know, having had a great time because it's fast and it's funny. And there are some moving dark parts, too, but there's uh, uh, about a thousand sword fights that are... <laughs> incredibly uh, uh, choreographed by Paul Denhart and um, and fabulously directed by Henry Warrenitz and the actors are, are uh, incredible. Um, I actually don't get to sword fight. I was going to say, you're one of the few people that don't. That don't, I know. And, uh, probably are you good. okay? It, yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I, when I was a younger actor, I loved all that stuff and did a lot of it. But now my knees and back, I guess, you, it's probably a good thing. You know, it's it, yeah, there is, there is a period where I think... You think you're you're at the Steppenwolf in the early '80s, so you, th- you, you and you think you bounce back easier. Yes. You can take a punch, yeah. and you can do this and that, you know. And and everybody does the. It looks like the uh, the the uh, the injury competition in Jaws. <laughs> Just yeah, this I got this from Three Musketeers, but yeah, you, you, and you learn over time. You know, I I want to actually walk in the morning. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, but no, it's it's a fabulous show. People are really loving it. I think they they are surprised how fun and and funny it is. Um, and uh, it, it really moves. It's two hours, with including the uh, the intermission. Wow! And it's beautiful to look at the costume set, the music, uh, everything about it is is just really stellar. I think people have a great time. What was your What was your experience with Three Musketeers before this? Okay, uh, years ago in the, I think the seventies, I saw the film, the Richard Lester film, which, by the way, was fascinating to me because he directed. Hard Day's Night. Yes, exactly. And what's uh, great about that is if you look at Hard Day's Night, the four Beatles, and then you've got the three Musketeers, and if you include D'Artagnan, you've got the four. Correct. So it's kind of a similar thing. But uh, um, They also have the grandfather running. They have Paul's grandfather running around. That's right, yeah. He should have been in the other one. He's very clean. Very clean, very clean. (laughs) Paul's grandfather. (laughs) 
But um, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. But no, with Oliver Reed was in that film. Love, and that was one of those. If you if you read, there's a great book called Hellraisers. The Life and Inebriated Times of Richard Burton, Richard Harris, Peter O'Toole, wow. and Oliver Reed. What a and wow. Yeah, well, that's that's a brunch nobody wants. No um, but it But it does tell the stories of, of the four of them and their careers and, and of course, all these juicy hell-raising stories of yeah. debauchery. These are guys with four famous livers. Oh. And, and I know it, with Reed, it was if he didn't care about the project, he would just drink himself stupid and make things difficult for everybody in his path. He didn't do it as bad on Musketeers because yeah. I know that was one he cared about and he had fights. You know, yeah, he obviously yeah. had sore fights to do, but he, he kind of kept himself in check a little bit. Oliver Reed was an ominous figure from my youth because uh, growing up on Channel 4, I think they would show these uh, movies. Um, one, this one movie that terrified me called The Shuttered Room. Okay. And uh, he's in it and he's, it's terrifying. Right. Um, so anyway, he, he kind of freaks me out anyway. But. Well, there's and Bill Sykes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. kind of frightening there, yeah. and and the fact that that man has two musicals under his wing. I know. It is between amazing. Oliver and Tommy. Yeah. But that in terms of uh, my background with Three Musketeers, I had never read the book, um, and uh, I'd seen that movie, and I of course knew the knew the story. Everybody right. Kind of knows the story, but. Yeah. Well, I had. Uh, we were talking earlier. We 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 talk shop, and this, at sometimes the show f- turns into stage sociology. It's okay. <laughs> I I directed a, a version of Three Musketeers. Ken Ludwig did uh, a an adaptation many moons ago, and I did it at Mud Creek, a much smaller scale, by the <laughs> way. And and my show was two ten. I feel bad. See, it's we're moving, large. man. We <laughs> way are to moving. go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I I, I loved. The Richard Lester version. And, of course, yeah. he had shot so much. That was the other rule was that he shot so much he was able to make a sequel. Yeah. And the actors sued because they only got paid for Once. one film. Yeah, and that, that set a precedent. Yeah. And that one was just – it was just fun because you had Oliver Reed, Michael York, um, Raquel Welch, yeah. salute. Um Christopher Lee was in it. Yeah. Geraldine Chaplin. It was, it was a fun thing. And I remember I, I banned – any any of my actors from watching any version, and I had a group of actors that liked the '90s Disney version, and it was just never my cup of tea, no, and too much hair, yeah. and whatever, and bad song. But uh, so anyway, <laughs> there there is that. There was also I remember um, there was an animated series in the '60s. Oh. One of one of my wife's least I favorite genres. That. Uh, non-comedy action cartoons I from the 1960s. I used to love those. Really, yeah. like the Fantastic Four. Oh, loved it. Oh, yeah, really? Absolutely. Yeah, not 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 in not in my wife's okay, wheelhouse. Yeah. But anyway, um, but the other thing was I uh, I was I was not the original person intend you know, who was scheduled to direct the show, and then I wound up taking over. And I I had done this. I had never done this before. I thought, well, I'm going to go back to the original source. So I read. The 600-page novel of The Three Musketeers. You know what it did for my production? Not a damn thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I, I advise you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, our production, uh, uh, Henry, our director, talked about from the beginning, that it, it, you suspend your disbelief in the same way that you do for Indiana Jones. Yep. And it's that same feeling of, uh, of fun and adventure. Like a serial almost. Almost, A cliffhanger. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So I would say, what is the what is the biggest sword fight on the stage? Um, well, there's a whole there's a lot of them. Because um, I know I think you know, we had like nine, and, yeah. and you know, and it was a postage stamp size of a set. Um, well, I don't know how you did that. Yeah, carefully. Um, I'm not sure how many uh, how many we have. We probably have at least nine. But there's also not just sword fighting. There's brawls mm-hmm. in taverns. Um, uh, you know, there's hand to hand hand to hand combat. Uh, there's a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all safe, but it looks fun. And, and that's you know, why we rehearse. Exactly. Over uh, and over. And also, I think the, the, something to think about. For, well, there, I always say there's there's two types of audience members. There are there are sitters and there are thinkers. And, and you can sitters can think and thinkers can sit. But I think you're rooted in one or the other. And, you know, if you're a sitter, you sit, it happens in front, you know, washes over you and then you go home and then and then there's that. Um Thinkers, you're thinking about you know how much how much time did it take to work on oh, that scene, yeah, yeah. and what I was thinking, especially with that show, is how costumes change your character approach. Oh yeah. So because there's layers on that, and and are, are there are you are you guys doing wigs? Um, some people are. Some are. Uh, the women are. Okay, but, um, that's another aspect of yeah. it. That because that thing adjusts yeah. to you. Well, it is true. I mean, uh, first of all, the boots that we have, these amazing boots, these knee-high boots with the, you know, the pleats over them or whatever those are. Mm-hmm. But also the leather doublet uh, just makes you makes you feel like a warrior. You brought you know, in your own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a whole rack of leather doublets. <laughs> nice rack. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just walking around with a sword. Uh, 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 yeah. And I, and, and I have uh, I have the biggest rapier, I might add. Braggart. I know. <laughs> Uh, because I'm the captain, but um, uh, it just walking around with that thing strapped over you with a baldric is is makes you feel larger than life. So and it does really it does change your movement totally. You know, and, and like I said, the boots and just everything about it. Um, you know, you, you know, you don't have to pretend much to sort of be back in that in that period. So cool, it's fun. So and and how's lo- the show's running again through? Uh, the fifteenth, I believe. Uh, October fifteenth, which is a Saturday, we're closing on a Saturday night. It's a, it's, it, it will be a fun evening. It's of... totally fun. Yeah, I know people will love it. So they, there you ha- go. they are loving it now. Yeah, cool. All right, so yeah, you have, go check that out at, over at IRT through October fifteenth. Okay, let's. I want to shift gears a little bit and and talk about some stuff that came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray this week. And uh, the best of the lot actually had. <laughs> I had a pretty good streak of films going because I actually wound up liking Deepwater Horizon more than I thought I would. And then I watched um, The Shallows. This is the one Blake Lively's trapped on the reef with the shark milling about her. Wow. She's uh, It's set in Mexico. She's out surfing in a remote part of, a, of an area. And there's a shark attack and she's stuck on a coral reef at low tide uh-huh. trying to figure out how to get to Either to the you know how to get to the mainland without getting uh, what a premise wow yeah and it's That's my it, worst nightmare by the and way and, it, and it, it is one of those yeah so there's there's that element of it um, it's it's under ninety minutes it's quick and to the point um, you know there's there's and it's it's basically the Blake Lively show so yes guys there's more to her there's more to the film than just her in a in a swimsuit for yeah. ninety minutes although <laughs> that sure as hell helps <laughs> but um, it, it I had flashbacks to we were talking I was mentioning earlier J C Chandor who directed. What was my favorite film of that year? All is lost. The Robert Redford in the sinking ship. No dialogue. Yeah, no dialogue, but physically challenging. Yeah, and and there's a lot of that in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a really well done piece of a one woman survival. Yeah. and uh, Lively does a really nice job. And yeah, it's it's not. A, there's a little bit of dialogue. Um, she she actually. It's uh, from the shark, though. No, it's, yeah. yeah, it's from <laughs> and it, and it's voiced by Artie Johnson. There. Excellent. You, yeah, we're, we're going back to sixties and seventies cartoons. Definitely, but. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's it's a tight little thriller that's worth checking out. Um, also out is a film called The Neon Demon, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Nicholas Reffin. This is a gentleman who gave us Drive with uh, Ryan Gosling, and then the follow-up to that, the uh, the really odd revenge film called Only God Forgives huh. with Ryan Gosling and uh, Kristen, Kristen Scott Thomas. And this is one, it's uh, Ellie Fanning, 
who uh, is is growing up in front of our eyes, you know, uh, of the Fanning clan. Um, I had just seen her in a film called Low Down, where she is the daughter of Robert Dr- Duvall. No, no, oh. that's um, that's Get Low. Get Low. This Get is low. Um, it stars John Hawkes as a uh, as a strung out jazz musician in the 1970s. Fanning plays her daughter, and mm. they they bounce off each other really, really oh, wow. well. And in this one, it's uh, it's kind of Nicholas Reffin's. Uh, I mean, Nicholas Reffin takes films like like uh, Drive and Only God Forgives have this kind of neon lit synth electronic heavy it feels like the 80s you know kind of blade runner to live and die in la type thing and brutal at times i mean pretty some some pretty violent moments um that kind of shake you a little bit and there's a little bit of that in this but it's also about how ugly the fashion industry can be uh fanning plays a girl straight off the bus in la Uh trying to make it into the business um Coming off the bench, you have Keanu Reeves as a skeezy uh, motel owner. Christina Hendricks is a fashion uh, fashion agent, wow. and uh, and this friendship that she, that Fanning develops with two other models, and of course uh, the knives start coming out in a Caesar esque fashion, nice. and 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 actual knives. So, um, it's a little long. It's it's under two hours, and and you know only God forgives was ninety minutes and to the point. I love Drive. Drive is is was one of my favorite genre pictures in the last five yeah. years, and uh, and this one I I understand he was trying to use the same mixing of styles with the fashion industry and how uh, how warped that industry can be. It yeah. it didn't resonate with me compared to the other stuff. Yeah. So that is out there. That being said, then I watched the film Warcraft. Based on the popular video game, oh, God. I yeah, directed by Duncan Jones, yes, David's son, who gave us a really fun film called Moon with Scott Sam Rockwell. David Jones, as in uh, Duncan Jones, uh, David Bowie's son. David Bowie's son. Oh. Yes, and of course, I thought you meant like Davy Jones for the monkey. No, but of course, Davy Jones was David Bowie's original name. That's right. But he had to change it That's because right. of the yes. Artful Dodger. Yeah. Anyway, wow. uh, but no, this is, yes, they made a film based on a video game. I think I would rather have watched. Two college guys playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> then, the, well, when you when you, I think when your main influence is an overrated Zack Snyder film like Three Hundred, where there's uh, you know you have humans and you have monsters, yeah. and then they then they sort of they're fighting, and then they sort of have to team up, and there's a lot of talk about code and fighting and honor and wills, and it's just it's two hours. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, I was I couldn't take it. Uh, there was a term I used online, which I can't quite say here, but it was bored blankless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was it really not necessary. I know I'm not the audience for this. I don't know who asked for this. Um, I wonder that all the time. Who well, and and movies? I know there's a video game crowd out there and I don't think they want this either. You know, it didn't do well here in the States. It made, it made ridiculous movie in Asia. So I don't know if there's going to be any more war, Warcraft pictures, that, and that's really okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh, Blu-ray, older Blu-ray titles of note, um, and I thought this had already come out on Blu-ray, but apparently not. The uh, the Clint Eastwood film Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, oh, yeah. which is there's a number of films Eastwood has directed, and you forget that he has because he's been able to you know pretty much direct anything he feels yeah. like. And this is one of his most eccentric ones with John Cusack, Kevin Spacey, Jude Law, Alice, his daughter, Alison Eastwood. And it's based on the popular novel about a, a group of eccentrics in the more eccentric portion of Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. 
Um, that was a big novel at the time, I recall. When yeah. It came out. That was a big deal. So, and the fact that I think nobody nobody saw Clint Eastwood directing it. Then yeah. again, he, he a couple years prior, he did The Bridges of Madison County. So, yeah. um, I did but, see that. But it's a really, it, I think John Cusack's character refers to Savannah as Gone with the Wind on Mescaline. <laughs> and the, it captures, and Spacey is a, uh, a Southern uh, wealthy eccentric who's on a murder trial yeah. with a, his lover played by a young Jude Law. Yeah. Um, we were still getting to know Mr. Law at that time. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's a fun eccentric piece worth checking out. Criterion, our favorite art house uh, DVD and Blu-ray company. Um, we we expect you know there are times where yes they they do the 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 high end arty stuff that we expect them to do, and occasionally they they dip down and, and I don't wouldn't say slumming, but they pick out lesser pictures you would, wouldn't expect. You know, a great example is you know they they put out Criterion put out films of RoboCop, Spinal Tap, and The Rock. Spinal Tap, I get that, but those right. Other two, so they do. They know. yeah. You don't expect those. Earlier this year, I was really happy and I bought it. But they 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 released the In Laws. <laughs> the original In Laws is on Criterion and worth it. Huh. Well, this time around, ladies and gentlemen, they've done a one two punch. Um, they they put out on DVD and Blu Ray. The 1967 camp classic Valley of the Dolls. Oh wow! Based on Sharon the Tate. based on the yeah based on the Jacqueline Suzanne novel. Yeah. This was going to be Patty Duke's big foray into adult, a grown up, I should say, mature. Is Kirk Douglas in that? No, oh. that's um the arrangement. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is the arrangement. Yeah, the Elia Kazan okay. uh, picture about show business. Yeah, yeah. good guess. Um, but yeah, this is this is campy fun. Susan Hayward's <laughs> in it. Um, Marty Milner, and yeah, it's it's trashy and it's supposed to be Hollywood Babylon. It's also badly acted and yeah. unintentionally hilarious. And if that wasn't enough, they also put out the seventy sequel, nineteen seventy sequel, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh my! Directed by Russ Meyer, oh, written dear. by Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert did the screenplay for Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yes. So um, if you look up the the great documentary Life Itself that Steve James did about Ebert's life, I mean, they they, they discussed this. I have seen that. And uh, the fact that, yeah, Ebert did a Russ Meyer film that was – it was exploitative exploitative of of show business and girl groups and uh, and Russ Meyer. If you know Russ Meyer – um, he likes well endowed ladies, yeah. and uh, it, and and it shows in this film as well. But he actually got a studio, 20th Century Fox, to back him up on this. I'm amazed. So yeah, and those are out on Criterion for the everyone. Criterion Collection. I has, think that's awesome. They've <laughs> they've gotten low now. They're going. No, low it's now. fine. Okay, okay, so we'll move it up a little bit. And I know this was a title, and I I saw this film for the first time. Um, earlier this spring in Chicago, but they did put out on Blu-ray Orson Welles' Chimes at Midnight. Fantastic. Also known as the the Falstaff show. Exactly. It is basically it is basically Orson Welles taking the Falstaff character from uh Merry Wives, Henry Four, Henry V and basically making a through-line story yeah. with Wells. And you're, you, uh, Robert here is the unofficial Orson Welles correspondent here at Film Sociology. <laughs> your your take on it. Uh, I I love that movie, and you're right. It, it, it is the Falstaff show, no doubt about it. But you know, um, Jean, Jean Moreau, she she plays uh, mm-hmm. Mistress uh, quickly, I think. In that, mm-hmm. she um, tells a story that Orson Welles hid his own makeup uh, kit because he was he was too nervous and shy to shoot a, a certain scene. And he says, "Well, we can't shoot it today because I I can't find my makeup kit." <laughs> and she knew where it was, so she went and got it and said, "No, you get in your makeup. We're going to shoot this today." So that was an interesting thing into his 
to his own psyche, but um, he's an amazing false life. And you know, the thing that's uh, so moving to me in that film um, is uh, the fragility that he brings to uh, Falstaff. He's not just a big, you know, heavy clown, but there's a there's a human being in there, which is what Shakespeare wrote anyway. Right. Um, and those battle scenes are very, you know, uh, Wells talks about the um, that those plays particularly, you have Hotspur, who represents kind of the old world of King Arthur and where everything was um, smelled better in England and that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, everything was sweeter, you know. And then Prince Hal, who is the IBM of the corporate world, coming in and encroaching mm-hmm. on, and uh, and Falstaff gets caught in the middle of that. And that final scene where, um, uh, when he's crowned, Prince Hal uh, disowns him. You know, I, kn- I know thee not, old man, fall to thy prayers, is such an, a moving moment in that play. And the look on Wells' face just brings you to tears. And yeah, because we're not used to seeing Wells vulnerable. He, he he didn't seem to have a vulnerable bone in his body, either either on screen or or behind the camera. If you look, you know, in certain things like, for example, uh, um, in Citizen Kane, yeah, there's a lot of uh, bluster. There's a lot of bluster in a lot of it, just because he had that big voice. And, and, and he was kind of he was expected to do that. He was, and that was kind of he got hired out as that kind of thing. But when you look at you know at some of the other things he did, you you really can see it in little in little bits. Even in Kane, you can see it in in places. But uh, certainly as far Falstaff, he uh, he really was that character, I think, you know, and, and it was just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, and that's a that's a character that that's a goal for a lot of a lot of actors of age, yeah, definitely. So, fingers crossed on that. <laughs> um, so yes, that that is out on uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. So thank you, Criterion, for that. That's a good one. Um, okay, I want to. Uh, Shift gears for a little bit. I, I first I have of course a contribution from Cl- Chris Lloyd because of this. Doing our uh, the annual show of uh, dead people we like. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a pretty big one this we week. We don't right? have time for dead people we don't like. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Yes, getting to dead people we like, and and of course sometimes, you know lives or the end of lives uh, coincide together and and they wind up on this show. Um we were we were do, we were discussing earlier before going on the air. Um well I I I tend to use the term character actor but then Mrs. Sosi reminds me that all actors are character actors. Uh, right. uh, don't let Hollywood casting agents fool you. But <laughs> but but a uh, classic that guy Bill Nunn uh passed away uh last week at the age of 62. Uh, yeah. Um going through of course best known as one of uh one of the semi regular Spike Lee players right. became best known as a Radio Rahim and Do the Right Thing yeah. from 1989 was also in School Days which was like his first credited film. I was going through his IMDb and uh he had an uncredited uh credit what? Yeah. Um, he was a bouncer in he was a kitten's bouncer in the Burt Reynolds film Sharky's Machine from 1981. Okay, I love that movie. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love that film shamelessly to no I end. Know. I was too. And um, I, I even bought the soundtrack. It had a lot of really. Good I have jazz. it on vinyl. Yeah. yeah, me too. Welcome to Dork Theater yeah. here. That's. Um, I always remember this. That film opened on my birthday, oh, December nineteenth, nineteen eighty one. The third Burt Reynolds. When you're when you're turning twelve, going to a Burt Reynolds movie was a big deal, <laughs> and my father took me with my grandmother. Wow, she counted the curses. Yeah, that's you know, um, that's a criterion. If you're going to put out Beyond the Valley of that, please do a two disc set of Sharky's Machine. Absolutely, get Bert and get him to talk about this film before he goes yeah. away. Um, <laughs> I think he might already be. Away. I know that's a shame, but I, you know, Tarantino loves that film, I... and it's it's it was, and it was uh, at the time 
mixed reviews because I think at, also at that time they weren't quite ready to have humor in your cop films. Oh, because really, if you think before that, I mean, you know, Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood had his one-liner, and that was about it. And then the year after this would be 48 Hours, and mm. the buddy cop film yeah. really was born. Yeah. Because I think even prior to that, the only buddy cop film you had was Freebie and the Bean, oh, yeah. and that was an odd yeah. – anyway. But uh, but there was a famous story that um, Clint got in touch with Bert – because um, Clint had just received the script for Every Which Way But Loose. And he wasn't sure if he wanted to make fun of his tough guy persona. Yeah. And Bert allegedly said, if you do this film, I'll make I'll make my own Dirty Harry. I'll make Dirty Harry goes to Atlanta. And then when Sharky's Machine opened, Clint sent him a note going, you weren't kidding. <laughs> so great fun, fun film. And it like introduced it. the word, world to Rachel Ward, which we always appreciate. Right, yeah. Anyway, back to Bill Nunn. Um, appeared as Grady in School Days, Radio Rahim we talked about, films like Cadillac. And then just he, he became that guy in films like Cadillac Man. He was the basis, of course, in Mo Betta Blues, New Jack City, Regarding Henry, Sister Act, The Last Seduction, um, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, uh, Speaking of Tarantino, The Knockoff, uh, Things to Do in Denver When uh, You're Dead, Canadian Bacon, uh, Bulletproof, Extreme Measures, even worked with uh, Tim Roth in The Legend of 1900, um, had a push as uh, as Robbie Robertson in the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, mm. uh, those three, uh, played Bobo in the 2008 TV film version of Raisin in the Sun, oh, yes, wow. the one with Sean Combs, uh, um, and played the principal and won't won't back down among other things so you know bill nunn i mean wow. and this was a, this was a stage a guy in, in yeah. yeah college uh was a morehouse college graduate uh no he he uh yeah he was anyway but uh but yeah working guy um you know the the i guess the for, for if we mix music and sports the the offensive linemen the the session right. players of the acting world yeah so he never gets any credit that he deserves but he makes the the thing go we yeah. like them yeah. so also passing away recently at the age of 90 on september 26th famed an infamous director, infamous. Herschel Gordon Lewis, yeah. also known as the the Wizard of Gore, the Godfather yeah. of Gore, um, made a bunch of splatter film, low budget splatter films in the nineteen sixties, yeah. and I've 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 seen a number of these. I have no shame, and this was before the film show. Sorry, yeah. Uh, best known for such films as Blood Feast, which, by the way, um, there's a great three part series of books. You know, the things of paper with covers, um, <laughs> called Cult Movies, written by Danny. Perry and uh and Blood Feast makes that film makes that list um 2000 Maniacs Moonshine Mountain was uncredited in Monster Agogo also seen in Mystery Science Theater 3000 um Color Me Blood Red Taste of Blood The Gruesome Twosome uh She Devil on Wheels um How to Make a Doll The Wizard of Gore that stuff will kill you from 1971. Um, Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat from 2002. The 1972 film, The Gore Gore Girls. And his last credit, which is now in, sadly in post-production, Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania. What a sick person. <laughs> have you seen any of these? No. <laughs> you might have. No, before, maybe I have. Before he got married. You know, before yeah, before I came on, I, I looked him up on the internet and I saw some of the posters for that. And I thought, this is pathetic. <laughs> 
And especially today, it's like these are really sexist. But it, it, well, yeah, there is that. He's, I think he went to the Russ Meyer school oh, of, sen- of uh, sensibility. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, these again, these were low budget. They're of and, its and, time. And, and, as yeah, well. it was. And, and and yeah, seeing these in the the early to mid sixties and mid to late sixties, this was scandalous. Very scandalous. But, but you know, played in a lot of drive-ins and a lot of uh, oh, a yeah. lot of downtown theaters. Uh, but yeah, a, a handful of these. The, the acting's not that great. <laughs> okay. That's an Far, far, okay, far from it, but um, but you don't, you know what, you're not, you're not there to see no. chimes at midnight. You just want to see girls in bikinis with blood thrown on them. That so, and that's what yeah. that film delivers. Uh, I always remember um, my first trip to Ball State. Um, I was in high school, and we went to a, a Ball State. At one time, used to have the International Thes- High School Thespian Conference, uh, where I went once. When I was did in you high really? School, I, I did. went four times, yeah. and my sophomore year. Went there and you know did what high school knuckleheads do, mm-hmm. and we heard. And this was in the old in in the village, but there used to be a place. Ball State people will, will back me up on this. The No Bar and Grill, which was around in the eighties, and it was a basement cl- night cl- uh, club. And uh, you went, and it was just kind of this grungy old basement. And I remember there was there was one bathroom, and it had <laughs> it was it was like a, a broom a unisex, closet, like a yeah, yes. Um, they're advanced in months. It had it had that. I also had the toilet. Also had a fork in the middle of the bowl. So I think that there was a Metallica T-shirt that inspired by that. Wow. And the only thing that the that the no bar and grill served were microwavable White Castles and Jolt Cola. Not a good diet for. So there was probably a long line to that one back. Probably, and and I remember the night I was there, they had some quasi flock of seagulls looking group with a smoke machine the really smelly smoke machine yeah. that you know every community theater is used at one time and they had two TV monitors and I want to say I think it was the film 2000 Maniacs I, it was some Herschel Gordon Lewis film oh. and you know seeing somebody uh, get ripped with a bandsaw and and this new wave music and the bad food when you're 15 this is a heightened of the senses oh. And I'm not saying they had a direct response into me attending Ball State, but I'm sure it, it played it helped, I'm sure. probably something yeah. in that. So, <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, th- thanks for that, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Oh, yeah. um, we we got a few minutes left. This has been fun. I, Fantastic. We'll get you I back on it. again fairly uh, soon. I love that. But, Maybe um, I'll watch some of the movies you're going to talk about. Not the Herschel Gordon Lewis ones. <laughs> not those, I, no. Don't get sitcom wife look with those. <laughs> and no, I'm not. I'm not going to get a note from you right going. Why'd you tell him to watch no, this? The next time I come on, maybe we'll talk about Mike Lee films. How about that? Oh my gosh! If you have a spare six to eight months to prepare yeah. and improv those, I do it. That's great. Yeah. Um, there's a film I watched. This past Tuesday night to follow up the 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 debate and yeah I right. sat I sat through the whole thing um, and it just kind of happened because I had uh, yes there there are two video stores in in my home in where I live yeah really yeah that's amazing yeah there's two family videos still in Richmond that's incredible and uh, anyway I had come across a die and it was one of those documentaries I've been wanting to see it and I grabbed it and. About halfway through the debate, I wasn't tired. I'm like, I need to watch something to cleanse my palate. And I wound up watching the 2014 documentary, Bat Kid Begins. Yeah. And this is based on a, a real life, obviously a real life story. This was, And it was a new sensation for a couple of days of, a, of a, a kid in Northern California who was suffering from leukemia. And his wish, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, was to be Batman for a day. Mm. And not just the Make-A-Wish Foundation people, but the city of San Francisco all rallied around this kid. And 
it turned out to be a huge media event. I mean, the city streets were blocks were blocked off. The mayor helped out. Um, you know, he, he, this kid got a note from the president and, you know, they got a they borrowed, a, I think, a Lamborghini. They kind of yeah. made into the Batmobile. There was yeah. a stunt coordinator who dressed as Batman to help Batkid, you know, and, and the stunt coordinator's wife is the damsel in distress tied to a bomb. And, you know, the kid runs out of the car and rescues her, captures the penguin, you know, the or uh, captures the Riddler. And then the, the mayor, you know, bring, you know, buys him lunch. And then after the lunch. The uh, the the penguin has kidnapped the mascot for the San Francisco Giants, and he's got to rescue him at the ballpark. I mean, it was a huge thing. It was and it was to, to see an entire city rally around this one kid, and Beautiful. and and yeah, it was truly to borrow a phrase, it was a truly moving picture, yeah. and uh, they made a documentary about this and. Uh, it was. I was telling Robert. It was one of those things that I remember when the news item was running. You know, nobody was saying anything disparaging about this. There was no. There was no commentators on a particular channel saying it's a waste of resources. It's the taxpayers' dollars. That 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 that. I mean, everybody. Everybody wrapped themselves right. around this one, and right. and I really needed that at that time. Yes. So I would say I was go to your local store. I don't know if it's on Hulu or streaming. I'm sure it is. I'm not the person to do that. My my Betamax still blinks noon. Um, but Bat Kid Begins is definitely worth checking out. So sounds great. I remember that story. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I hit you with the I hit you with the homework assignment oh, no. before. Oh. Um, in the Ask the AV Club of the Onion, the question was, "What's your favorite parent-child relationship in pop culture?" And some of the questions that came, some of the writers of the staff, they well, they did not just movies. They talked about um, Arnold and his grandparents and Hey Arnold. The mom and daughter in Gilmore Girls, um, Veronica Mars and her dad. Somebody wrote Running on Empty, River Phoenix and Judd Hirsch. Oh, wow. Um, Christine Lottie plays the mother, directed by Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Really cool film of parents who are on the run from a uh, 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 political prisoner. Uh, um, yeah. Political prisoners, not political no. prisoners, but they, um, they, they've been, um, they bombed a napalm factory and accidentally uh, crippled a guy. So they've oh. been on the run their entire lives. Okay. Um, home movies, uh, Homer and Lisa, Marge and Bart. Yeah, um, somebody wrote Lone uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. One that I really, really liked, and this was one, um, Ellen Page and J.K. Simmons in Juno. Oh yeah. Okay. So th- that was also mentioned. Um Benjamin and Jake Sisko from Deep Space 9. <laughs> um so those things is there is there one that comes to mind with you? Yes. You, yeah, go ahead. Dr. Benton Quest and Johnny Quest. Are you Speaking of 60s action that's, animated that's features. That's how old I am and how up to current pop culture I am. But no, we own the first season of that on DVD, and, yeah? and both of my children and I indoctrinated them early. And, really? Uh, we, love, we love Johnny Quest, and so, yes, in spite of race, no one knows why he's there. And um, you, have you addressed those rumors? Not. No, no? we don't talk about that. Oh, okay. um, he is there to protect uh, Dr. Benton Quest. But uh, I think that that's a fabulous, and then, of course, his best friend, Haji, and they have a dog bandit. And yes. that, to me, is is about the best, you know, paternal you know son thing going you you pray that there's never a live action version of this of this series if there is i'm moving to canada you know you're not i might be moving to canada anyway (laughs) depending on how this election turns out so so did your kids they loved it well yes so that means of course that they all have to hop they have to have to fly off the couch going i 
Because that's what villains do when they get off in Johnny yeah. Quest. And, and it is true that it's it's not very PC now when you watch those. But uh, um, you know, they they love. Haji wears it. a turban. Yeah, it's and you know, and they all make up like Kramer. You know, on the Seinfeld sometimes makes up language. They they do that on there when they they're in these remote places. Oh but. yeah, um, yeah. I would say at certain parts of South America and Africa, oh, yeah. not not the greatest yeah. representation. It's not, and I I fully admit that. But uh, th- when I was a kid. You know, and if you look at it now, the artwork is just incredible in that. I mean, mm-hmm. just from a, a purely aesthetic point of view, it really is. And uh, as a kid, just thinking all of the incredible um, technology they had and the adventures they went on, it was just, to me, it was just fantastic. See, you got a great answer right well, there. Well, good. I'm glad. It just came to me when you were giving those other examples because I was stumped otherwise. That's right. Even though it's not very current. I probably would have said, you know, J.K. Simmons and Miles Tenner and Whiplash, but that's not a father-son oh, relationship. Oh, that movie. <laughs> I oh. know. Okay, 20 seconds. Once more, hit the, what are the dates for uh, Three Musketeers? Uh, we close on uh, October 15th. Um, go to IRTlive.com, the Three Musketeers. Musketeers, uh, adapted by Catherine Bush um, from the Alexander Dumas novel. Um, about 17 actors playing all kinds of roles. Sword fights. It's it's um, really fun, fantastic, and fast and furious, and it's a, it's a beautiful story. But not fast and furious. Paul Walker's uh, yeah, not Yeah, it's not this. that, no. All right. Robert, thanks a lot for hanging My out. My pleasure. What fun. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. Or go see Three Musketeers. You deserve that, too. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Canada. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. Michigan.